All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. I'm Screwhead Dan. And I'm Screwhead Andrew. And we are here once again to dissect, dismember, and discuss horror movies. Today's horror movie is going to be the 2000 finale to the trilogy, which is about to have five movies total. They're really going Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy on this shit. Scream <laughs> 3. Before we get into that, though, Andrew, how are we doing? You know, I'm doing pretty good, man. Just finished up the holidays. I think today is the third, so, you know, just got got back from two kind of short work weeks uh, and a lot of traveling around for Christmas. Uh it was my first Christmas engage, so we had to go see everybody. Oh, fun! A, a lot of a lot of traveling around, uh, which isn't ideal, but you know it was nice to see the family and stuff. It's been a good time. How about yourself? Yeah, uh, good. No, thankfully I was able to uh, do all right with traveling. I just had to travel to St. Louis to see my brother for Christmas, but other than that, all my friends I met up with over the holiday season either came to my city or we just decided not to do anything, which is fine with me too. But uh, it's all good. It's the new year. My partner and I are starting to look for apartments. We're moving in together in March. Uh, so she'll have to deal with a whole lot more poor movies coming on down. The cats are currently staring at each other. I'm thinking in about 30 seconds to a minute, you're going to hear them screaming at each other, which is what it is. You know, it's kind of thematic for a horror movie, I guess. A lot of screaming in the background. A lot of screaming cats, too. It's, you know, it's the, the cat jump scare. Yeah, definitely. Now, my cats are funny because I have two separate automatic feeders, and they're generally pretty good about staying in their lane, but it is, uh, the automatic feeders, there's always, like, an offset of, like, 15 to 30 seconds. (laughs) Whenever one of them goes off, then they both, like, immediately sprint towards the bowl, and then the second one goes off, and then whoever the loser is sprints towards the other bowl. And, like, ultimately, they basically have the same food, so it's not a big deal either way, but it's always fun to see who tries to make it to one and who tries to make it to the other. But they are really good about, like, okay, I guess you win, and then they start (laughs) sulking away or just staring at the other, the winner eating as they're going through like ah, i wish i was the one. Oh shit that's right another one's going off that's great <laughs> so they, they never fought over it before no they never fought over food it's huh. yeah they they're they're getting along pretty well oh wait dan yeah. i, I, I want to ask how, how far are you guys in a uh, zelda right now uh we are currently at the what's the desert temple's name arbiter's ground something like that Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, um, we're, we're the one the the one dungeon where you can get the spin tap. Um, oh, okay, and it's actually kind of funny because my partner got um, I think it was tendinitis. I want to say um, so. Basically, she for a good solid three weeks uh, moving her right wrist was extremely painful, and because of the um, you know the Wii is flicked, uh, you know, attack and everything like that, she did not. Uh, she could not play <laughs> Zelda. So Aww. it was very much a monkey's paw sort of situation where she got uh, Twilight Princess, her one of her favorite Zelda games for Christmas, and she can't play it. What a it was shame. Like that, I know, it was like that Twilight Zone episode where the guy has all the time to read, but his glasses broke. Exactly <laughs> like that. Wait, wasn't that like a, wasn't like a Family Guy parody? Or was that actually an episode as well? Oh, no, that was a Family Guy parody too, yeah. How dare uh, you? No, it was originally a Twilight Zone episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, it isn't fair. It isn't fair. Anyway, uh, so yeah, life. let's go. In, let's go into Strain Three. So uh, why don't you start us off? What's your history with this film? Oh yeah, so um, again, I think I think you know with the others. I think I watched again. I think I said I watched it all through at the same time. Um, I think you and I were both discussing this. Actually, no, you hadn't seen it before. So go ahead to that. No, second. I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, this but, was uh, the only Scream movie, if I remember correctly. I have not seen so. Well, see, like, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, because as you and I talked about, I think we both enjoyed it, but I I, I remember not thinking it was the best. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if a lot of that is just, like, you know, when you start to watch a lot of it, like, I think Scream 3 I may have only seen once or twice. And I think that a lot of that was just kind of, like, I usually end up watching as part of watching all three or four, you know, when the fourth one came out at a time. So I think for me, a lot of it was, I think by this point, when I the kind of marathon the series, I was fatigued, so I didn't really enjoy it as much. Um but I think this time, like this, having kind of watched it fresh a little bit, I think it was actually really enjoyable. Um, but unfortunately, I don't really have much history with it other than just having watched it as part of them. 
Um, though I did actually, I went back. So I, the Blu-ray edition I bought, I bought the uh, the three pack, which I actually owned in Korea at one point. I think it first came out or something when I was in Korea. I can't remember. Um, right, actually, probably was in college. But there's a documentary on it called Still Screaming, and I went through and rewatched that again, uh, which is kind of a fun experience. But uh-huh. much like hindsight on this one made me enjoy this more than I thought I did, hindsight on that documentary made me realize that was a shitty documentary and actually <laughs> pales in comparison to the other ones, <laughs> unfortunately. Good to know, good to know. Yeah, no, this is the only scream. I don't know how it just fell off my radar because I really did enjoy the first two a lot. Um, I think it was just I was not really interested in seeing the third one because this is by far the lowest rated screen movie in the entire franchise um and i public perception of it was yeah this is easily the weakest of the series it's kind of the black sheep it's not very good um some people even went as far as to say yeah it's skippable you know it doesn't end well blah 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 blah, all that good stuff so it kind of turned me off from watching it i was like well i could watch this or i could watch the thing for the 20th time and i always went with the thing because you know it's a good choice it's a good choice yeah uh, so that was that. Um, but when we did the Screamathon, I finally went back, gave it a fair shot, and that's that. So overall, what do you think of uh, Scream Three? You know, I might actually rate it on on par with Scream Two, kind of a little bit lower. I think just because I think actually, because mm, I, I feel like we discussed before. For me, it's all about the journey of Sydney, and I think this is really where her character kind of should end. Like if you know, if this was Alien, you know, Alien Three is is a great ending to Ripley's character. And this is a great ending to Sid's character. So I really hate ranking it because like, I feel like it would not be the movie it was if it wasn't for the predecessors, you know, like I, I can't isolate it oh, yeah. by itself, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I'll give it, I almost want to say they're all on a straight line. I'd say all three of them are almost, they're elements I like of each of them better than the other. So I almost kind of mm-hmm. want to say it to me. They're all like a solid, like eight, I don't know, out of 10. That's how we rank things. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, yeah, I really like this one too. I was I was very very surprised on this front. I thought it was a very good ending to the series. Um, like you said, the whole character of Sydney and the arc she goes through in this movie, and especially the ending, was really fantastic. Um, I was entertained the whole way through. The whole the fact that they leaned so hard into the meta ness of it all um, really created some interesting scenarios that I really enjoyed. For the fact, you know, the actors in the movie and the actual you know characters in the movie that they were based on were teaming up with each other and fighting Goatface together. It was it was great. I said Goatface. It was Ghostface. I know that. I would love a movie about Goatface. I was I was (laughs) wait. um, Now I'm just thinking like, imagine if they replaced the mask with a goat mask. Uh, yeah, I'm just picturing the uh, villains from Resident Evil 4, the, the robed figures with the goat masks. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, did I tell you? I, I watched I watched the new one. Uh, Ooh, yeah, we'll have to do an episode on that, too. Yeah. Was... But uh, overall, do you want to give a sneak peek of uh, what you thought? Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 think, I think one and two of the Paul W.S. Anderson series are better, but I think that like this one I gets a lot of brownie points for what I tried to do by bringing back some things, but like, ooh, the writing was bad. <laughs> and like oof, a couple characters were not great but you know n- not not terrible cool uh but yeah no i i really did enjoy this movie i really enjoyed the third act um yeah i i felt this was a very worthy sequel and i felt it wrapped up the trilogy very nicely with a nice little bow um so i'm curious to see how scream 4 and, and the eventual scream 5 which is coming out in a few weeks are gonna fit into oh this. god yeah uh-huh so gotta catch up because really that. Yeah, it really does seem like this is was intended to be the finale of finale for a series. Um, but yeah, that's that. So uh, yeah, why don't you go ahead and talk about the premise of Scream 3 and uh, the plot and how that works. Yeah, of course. So yeah, so the plot of Scream 3, I, I almost feel like it's one of the earlier kind of meta films. I feel like this really was on the first, like other than, you know, obviously Scream is a meta franchise um, and they already had to stab one in Scream 2. But I think like this is one of the f- kind of, first movies or instances i've seen them having like the movie within the movie actually be like a significant part of it um but basically this this movie is about um the making of stab three um so um members of the cast of stab three start winding up dead um and as a result uh dewey and gail go to investigate um and through their investigation they end up pulling sydney back into it and she has to kind of find uh out who the killer is and what her connection to them is yeah um and what was i gonna say too uh it's almost like west craven's new nightmare in that aspect which new nightmare came out 
after this one, right? Or was it before it? That's a great question. I don't Let's know. Let's see. I'm looking that up right now. Uh, oh, way before. Yeah, when New Nightmare was 1994, and this was 2000. Oh. So, uh yeah, um, yeah, it's almost like that in that aspect. Uh, not so much that you know Courtney Cox is playing herself, but the fact that you know Stab is the in-universe movie series based on the events of the first movie. It was referenced in the second movie pretty heavily, uh, but now we're actually going ahead and we're filming a fictional third movie in the third movie, the actual third movie to the first, the events of the first movie. Yeah, so um, I've gone cross-eyed there, but yeah, it, it makes sense. It makes sense in the movie. It's just it's very meta. Yeah, um, I actually didn't realize because yeah, because it's stab. Like I, I'm assuming stab two is based off the events of number two. Yeah. So I, I like that that they're making the movie that we haven't seen yet. That's kind of cool. Actually, I didn't realize that. Making the movie as they're making the movie, I'm kind of picturing the uh, scene from Spaceballs where it's just like you movie while they're movie. Fast forward, <laughs> yeah. fast forwarding, sir. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, that's kind of where they've gone, and I felt like that felt just like the second movie, you know, high school to college. This one felt like a very natural progression of the way the series was going with more and more meta elements, more and more self-referencing horror movies back and forth, little cameos here and there, um, Jay and Silent Bob cameo for some reason. What What is the history behind that? I, I don't understand. No I, I have no idea. I feel like they probably just were either on set in the area or something like that. Um, like was no, she wasn't in uh, Dogma, was she? I have no, no idea. The, yeah, the only thing I can think of is they were both uh, Miramax, I believe. Oh. Um, so what was Screen Three Miramax? I don't know, possibly, but I do know they were pretty well. They well, were both, if I remember correctly, produced by the Weinstein Company. Yeah. So it could be that they had back and forth, which uh, I do want to talk about later on mm-hmm. because when you think about the fact that this movie was. Um, produced by Harvey Weinstein, and you realize the entire final act is set in the movie producer's house with like false walls and you know one way mirrors and shit like that. It kind of gets a little, but anyway, yeah. we'll talk about that later on when we get there. Um, yeah, but I felt like you know that the whole movie within a movie, trying to solve the killers, going off the script, um, just really, really leaning hard into the meta aspect of it was really interesting, especially when they, you know, look at the script to try and figure out what the next killer strike is going to be, which in real life, Wes Craven, when he was directing this movie, actually did come up with three different endings, so the actors didn't even know which one was the right one. Yeah. Um, little stuff like that, so. Well, do you hear that the reason that was because the script for number two got rele- got leaked or something like that, so they rewrote a lot of that one? Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, yeah so that, that's why they were so secretive and had all these different drafts this time, because, uh, because you know, they didn't want it to happen again. But I do think that yeah. also kind of hurts it a little bit, because I think there were some red herrings here that they kind of decided at the last minute whether or not they're red herrings. I think there were some that they definitely set up to be killers, and there's like, eh, you know, we'll kill, we'll kill them in this final act here. And that, like, I feel I like that, that final act was, what kind of, I don't know, was... Uh, the part that they probably kept hidden and they kind of decided on the fly who was going to be the killer. Like that's that's how it felt to me. I don't know. Yeah. I, I do feel like there's a lot of red herrings, but I do feel it's a staple of the scream franchise. You know, we had cotton in the second movie about, Ooh, is he the killer? Was he not the killer? This one, I think it was not Maureen. Uh, shit. Who was, who was the uh, Gale actress? I don't remember. Oh, no, no. I didn't think Jennifer. I don't don't think Jennifer Jolie, (laughs) which is, I I love that her name is Jennifer Jolie. (laughs) Who is dating Brad Pitt. You're just like, oh, but, interesting. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, there were a couple signs in there where, like, I, I think at one point uh, Dewey actually says, oh, you know, Jennifer, how'd you get here so quickly? Ha, 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 And, like, that was that felt like a subtle nod to the audience. Ooh, could she be the, the killer or something like that? But I always feel like the red herring, just the game of guessing who you think the horror, uh, the killer is going to be is such a big part of these movies. Um, even the new movie, one of the posters is the tagline, the killer is on this poster, and it's <laughs> literally the poster has everyone who's going to be in scream five so <laughs> that's awesome yeah I, I really I, I i do enjoy that guessing game aspect of these movies so i didn't mind the red herrings at all I, because well, i uh-huh. for me the biggest one was patrick dempsey's character uh the cop kincaid because mm-hmm. like i feel like he up until he appeared that one scene at the end he was pretty i i i'd forgotten the ending other than i, I knew that roman was a killer but uh-huh. I, I forgot they didn't have a partner which I guess was a twist on their part. <laughs> but, yeah, um, definitely. It, it felt like he was set up to be a killer. Like, 
Because who else called mm-hmm. Sydney to bring her back? That had to be uh, had been Kincaid, right? I, I guess so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's weird that he wasn't a killer because like he's the one who borrows Dewey's phone, and then immediately after he borrows the phone, Sydney gets a phone call. Gotcha. So it feels like he should have been a killer. Like unless we're just meant to believe that he just wanted to see her and hang out with her. I don't know. Like that. Yeah, that's that's kind of what we're going that's, for, I guess. I, again, up. it feels like another red herring. Well, but like, it feels like such an obvious red herring. It feels like it. It feels like if they'd made Billy Loomis a red herring, you'd be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like he was definitely a killer, right? Like I don't know. Yeah. I I thought I thought that to me felt like uh, uh, I don't know a way to make all three endings they had plausible and then kind of settle in on one. Because um, mm-hmm. I think Roman of them seemed the least creepy and the least opportune for a lot of the killings that occurred. So it actually, it, I almost said Patrick Dempsey was supposed to be the killer, and they're like, nah, 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 this is better. <laughs> yeah, know. and I would argue against that, honestly, because I, I really liked, again, I liked the fact that they kept us guessing, and there were some very obvious, almost obnoxious red herrings, to the point where I was just like, okay, they're leaning to this so hard, this is obviously a red herring. And then the more subtle ones back and forth, too, that keeps you guessing. Um, and then, you know, maybe they... Wes Craven decided to do that during production in terms of, oh, yeah, I have three different killers in mind, and I'm going to make them all plausible by the time the third act rolls around. I think, you know, that's a pretty good way of keeping everyone guessing. Yeah, well, I guess, so. the, the, like, you know, the, the trick is, like, you know, the first one, oh, my God, there's two killers. And the second mm-hmm. one, you know, cements expectations that the third one, you're, you keep trying to figure out who the third, who the second killer is. Even if you mm-hmm. have one in your mind, you're like, oh, who's the second one? So it, it, it's a great way to, uh, you know, to kind of play that out a little bit. How about if Scream Five, every single one of them is the killer except for Sydney? No, she's she's. What if Scream Five reveals she's been in a fugue state this entire time? <laughs> I actually kind of somewhat did that to my D and D party. They were on an airship, um, and one of the patrons got murdered. Um, so it was a kind of a whole murder on the Orient Express murder mystery, um, and they were roaming around trying to figure out exactly who committed the murder, back and forth, that sort of thing. Too. Uh, it turns out they were all murderers. Every single person except for the party was a changeling, so they can like adapt and change their form at will. And they all conspired together to murder that person and murder the other one. And the other thing too is one of my party members because she's fucking awesome uh she was just like i want to be the murderer too and i'm like okay great so your character is locked up in a box and you're gonna play one of the changelings who is disguised as your character and <laughs> oh my god it was such a great reveal it was a very oh shit moment we are way out of our league sort of thing man your, it was great. your D matches sound lit yeah it's a lot of, well i like to do silly D too like one of the main antagonists is a lich named abercrombie <laughs> Abercrombie Lich. That's amazing. That's that's that wins. It's so dumb. It's um, so dumb. And my party groans at me at the time. Anyway, back to Scream. Um, uh, oh, so yeah, what do you? Th- oh, go ahead. I say one one background thing because again, I watched this documentary and didn't get much out of it. Um, but apparently, one thing that was happened is apparently this movie. Uh, I didn't notice this watching it, but apparently, it's not very bloody. And I guess the reason for that was because like I think this was after Columbine or something. Yes, I so, remember reading about that uh, on the uh, Wikipedia page as well. Um, they really pushed back, or the production company really, really pushed back because Columbine was just a year before. Yeah, which yeah, uh, to makes make sense. It less um, and Wes really, really put forward in terms of, a, no, this is scream, it has to be bloody, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then also the whole meta aspect of it, too, because the first movie was all you know the killers were inspired by horror movies and that's why they killed and then after columbine when parents and society in general was trying to figure out who to lash at um what what, what the reasoning was i was trying to find meaning behind these actions um yeah horror movies were a big victim of that hmm. so yeah the whole I, I i guess it was kind of principle for west craven to stand up for his own movies that sort of thing because obviously you know they don't but that's that but I will say, like, yeah. I, for, for for if there was a lack of gore, I didn't really notice it. I thought, if they I thought they did a good job of hiding it, there were a lot of kind of small stabs, I, I suppose. But like, you know, like I, I guess there's no like gory deaths. Like one thing that I noticed, we'll talk about in the moment about uh, Cotton's death. Like he got he got stabbed in the eye at the end there. He got a knife in the face, and we didn't see it, yeah. anything about it. But like, I realized as they cut away, I'm like, holy shit, look at, look at that. that was going in his eye. Um, yeah. So and that was. What do you think of that opening scene? Like. Uh, yeah, I was about to ask. I I, I liked it. Like I I hated that Cotton died because I I feel like he is the I feel like he is a character who has a lot of room to grow in the series. Um, and I and I I kind of liked where we left him in number two. Um, mm-hmm. 
like, I don't know. I, for me, I guess I always kind of hoped Cotton would become a good character. Um, and this movie kind of, like, I don't know, made him seem again kind of like a pompous jerk without much redemption um, up until, you know, he tries to save his girlfriend. But that's about it. And then I felt he kind of just, like, I felt bad for him. I felt bad for his character after all the shit he's been through. You know, being in jail for a year, being kind of pariah. Um, you know, he, he is kind of is a little exploitative uh, in the second movie, but then just to, like, get kind of, I don't know, have his... Uh, girlfriend murdered in front of him and then him get killed kind of sad i don't know mm-hmm. how about yourself yeah, i really um i really liked it i felt that cotton's character was in a good spot at the very end of scream 2 yeah he's been vindicated but scream 2 also sets him up to be kind of a dick in that yeah. regard as well um and i felt in terms of victims to throw off you know he served his plot purpose in scream 2 he's been vindicated his entire character is basically you know at a standstill at this point um but, you know, he still has those aspects of him that people dislike and, and some level it's satisfying to see him die. But on the other time, too, you know, what he did does not, just being a dick, does not mean he should get murdered. But in horror movies like this, you know, sometimes it's, yeah, you want the dickest characters to die first. Yeah. Before anyone else. It's kind of a rule of horror movies, I guess. Yeah, well, I, I think he was a safe kill. He was somebody to kill, but yeah. not one of the main cast, uh, necessarily. Though I, I will say I, I like that they they did keep with the character where he didn't tell them where like he was like no fuck you and they asked him where Sydney was and stuff like yeah. multiple times. Um, but and so but and I thought it was effective. Like what, I thought seeing kind of like his girlfriend's situation before he came was really kind of scary because we didn't know anything about her. Like mm-hmm. um, and but the only my only thing I would change about this opening because I thought it was really effective was just revealing the voice changer. Because I know that it becomes an element later, but I think it would have been cooler to not explain the voice thing going on. I the fact, agree. Yeah. The fact that like the the because it's showing it. Like, I thought they sh- they did show it right. They showed the voice changer, didn't they? Yes, they did. Okay, because so, there was one point where she thought you know he was, it was him. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I think keeping that part, but I thought at one point when he's fighting him at the end, Khan's fighting Ghostface. I thought he showed him. Uh, yeah, which I, I was like, I feel like hide that for later because I feel like that that's. You know, make it a mystery as to what happened, and then have like you know have Cotton come in and get murdered and not reveal what happened. Um, I just thought like I know, that, that could have been saved for later because I think it, by showing that in the beginning, then you think about it the entire time throughout the movie when it when it appears instead of having it be kind of a mystery of what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. But no, but I, I you know I thought it was really effective. I think of the three of them, the opening kills. Uh, it's probably the least impressive. Of what we've seen yeah, so far, I agree with you there, but not but not by a major amount, not in a bad way, not in the sense that it's bad. No, I it's think just it's not just because the first two movies were so strong with their opening kills that it, it had a tall order to live up to. Yeah, so I, I'd agree it's the weakest, definitely, but by no means bad. Yeah, like I think it's the weakest, but I also think like, the one that had the most stake in, okay, in terms of like not wanting Cotton to die. <laughs> it's like yeah. no Cotton, like like when he fought back, it's like, yeah, get him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then realizing at the end that it's Roman too, like ah. Oh. Man, I wish Patrick, I wish it was Patrick Dempsey who killed you. Like <laughs> Roman's kind of lame. Like of the uh-huh. of the killers, he's kind of just a, a whiny guy. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, again, I thought that was a nice way to open, and it kind of set the stage for possibly other people dying. It, it almost seemed like a tease that he died and nobody else did. Um, but you know, you know, interesting. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, cool, cool, cool. Uh, so let's see, what else? What do you think of, like, uh, Sydney's character growth in this movie, in terms of where she at and where she ends up? I, I loved it. I, I thought I thought that it was an, a little heavy-handed at the beginning with her having visions of her mom, uh, which I couldn't tell at times if that was supposed to be implied that Roman was doing something to make her hallucinate that, or if that was actually her hallucinating. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, you know, it, I think it's an interesting turn on the, on her character because in the first one we see her as a normal person who gets in a shitty situation and then as a result of that she becomes stronger, right, from the second movie. She comes back and she's like, you know, she has the, the caller ID thing in the beginning which shows that she's like, you know, fuck you. Um, and she takes a lot more initiative in the second movie. Mm-hmm. But then, all, again, but like at the end of that, despite the fact that she lived and Dewey lived and Gail lived, all of her friends and her boyfriend are dead, essentially. So, like, it makes sense that, like, after coming back, you know, she's traumatized again. We pick up with her. I think it's only been, like, a year or something like that since that happened. Uh, yeah. In a situation where she's like, fuck this. I need to live alone by myself. Like, with her dad, we find. Apparently, he lives with her, too. I always forget that element. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it makes sense that then she goes in this isolationism because she, like, it happens again. 
But again, it's not crazy isolationism like fucking uh, Laurie Strode. It's not that. It's, <laughs> it's I'm going to be isolated. I'm going to lock my doors and shit. I'm going to be worried about it, but I'm not going to be batshit crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But I do like that, like, you know, we find her as somebody who's like, you know, she's she's cautious. She's scarred, but she's still doing self. She's still doing like uh, hot, the hotline. I think there was the abuse hotline, which I thought was great. Okay, it makes sense for a character. That's what she'd go into. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really like those elements of her. Um and I figure we talk about her progression at the end later on, but how do you feel about her progression at the beginning of this movie, where we would find her? Yeah, I felt like it was a good progression, her being isolated, getting into therapy after all the shit she's been through. That that seems like a good career path to go down for her. Um, I liked it. And I did want to talk a little bit about her at the end, if we had my, like, jumping around back yeah, and forth. Yeah, that's fine to me. Yeah, I fucking loved just her at the very ends where she's smart she's resourceful and i so apparently again just breezing through the wikipedia summary and the imdb stuff but um the third act was apparently supposed to be a lot shorter and then they added that segment at the very end where the whole false death of sydney and then especially the fact where she becomes the serial killer and roman is terrorized i i I love that about twist for what was supposedly supposed to be the final film in the trilogy um i thought that was a good character moment for her because she's been terrorized by these killers so long she knows them she understands them and now she can turn around and use what she's learned against them i I thought that was fantastic um yeah yeah, I, that, that was a good little dropout phase. That was that was a fuck yeah moment for me. Yeah, I agree. I think that, I think that was great. Um, and actually, yeah, I mean, even more to talk about that because uh, I, I won't get to the, like the actual ending. Uh, I, I don't, yeah, I'll, I'll pop back into it later. But um, what did you think about the cast of like, or you know, the casting and the cast of the uh, you know the movie characters? Um, I really liked most of them, especially you know. Jennifer, whatever her name, Jen- Jennifer Joe, Jennifer Jolie, was it? Jennifer Jolie. Uh, yeah, I thought she was really fun to watch. Uh, her and her interactions with Gail Weathers were just the highlight of the movie for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I a lot of them, the other ones, I really didn't stand out too much, but those two definitely kind of stick out to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it was kind of weird how much the other cast aren't weren't really present. Like, I felt bad when um, uh, crap. So we we had let's see, we had uh, I was looking it up. We had Emily Mortimer, I guess, was the actress who played uh, Sydney. Okay, but which is funny, I guess I guess Tori Spelling because I think you remember Tori Spelling was in the the second one. I guess like they replaced her. I forget why they say she left. She just didn't want to be in it anymore. Um, but I thought the other characters weren't really maybe because maybe they weren't based on characters we knew really. That's why they weren't really shown very much, but they just seemed like they were just kind of there to die. I feel like, like the I don't even remember either of the two guys' names. Um, yeah, and one of them was on the poster. So, <laughs> oh yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, they just like I don't know if he's a famous actor or what, but like I guess I think that's probably it. Like all we knew is I think he was supposed to die third or something. Like he was he didn't die in the order that he was supposed to die in. Um, but that, I think that's all they say at one point. It's like one of them was supposed to die at some point. Um, but yeah, they were all kind of, I don't know, they're all kind of lame characters. Actually, I felt like the only one who was slightly interesting uh, was the first girl who dies. Uh, what was her name? Sarah? Mm-hmm. Sarah, yeah, she was playing uh, Candy, the girl who dies um, that Roman kills first in like the, uh, uh, where he could kind of, where she hides among all the masks and stuff. Yeah. I thought she was one of the few ones who had actually kind of character. We get a little bit of character from Sydney's actress, I guess. Um, but I feel like they could have all used a lot more, especially actually Sydney's actress, because I feel like what we learn about her at the end makes it feel like we should have spent more time with her. Mm-hmm. Like, so, because like, basically we, we see her this entire time being kind of meek and scared and talking about how she looks excited this is her one break. But then when shit kind of hits the fan, we've learned that basically she slept with Lance Hendrickson to get the job, <laughs> who is like the Harvey Weinstein of this movie, essentially. Um, and I feel like that's a really weird thing to throw out and then have her die and not have processed more, especially with what we learned about Sydney's mom. It seems like a really weird thing to have that be her character element and have that be what, you know, kind of set her mom over the top and what kind of, you know, birth Roman essentially. Yeah, I agree. And then just kind of like looking back behind the scenes, the fact that Harvey Weinstein did produce this movie, maybe that was, I don't know, something intentional. 
that yeah for the piece of shit to throw that in to kind of discredit her or something like that. I I, I don't know. I don't want to go too deep into it, but yeah, well, yeah, it, it was weird. I agree. Like I, I feel like the thing to do would have been to have her become more of a central character and have kind of like Sydney and her relationship develop as somebody who has been through what her mom's been through and kind of like. You know, both, like, her getting revenge for her mom and that girl getting revenge for what happened to her in the Hollywood system. Like, I think that would have been, like, an interesting story. And also a way to bring a new character into the cast. Because this movie really doesn't. It, this movie really, you know, just kind of like Scream 2 does. It just, you know, you, you start and end with the same cast. Um, yeah. I guess other than Patrick Dempsey, who appears, I guess, I don't know, him and Sid are together at the end. <laughs> <laughs> in, in in a weird way, I don't know. I, that, I I feel like that 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 is the weak point of the film, and maybe that's maybe that's where the criticism comes from of this movie is, or that these characters aren't uh, really developed uh, as much as maybe her boyfriend and her best friend were uh, in the sequel. Um, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It's I, I just said they could have they could have done more with her and with that plot line. Um, but you know, not I, I do have to mention though, my boy Lance Hendrickson. You know. Bishop, Bishop Eight, <laughs> yeah, he's or yeah, he's you know he's hanging out here. It's, this is the third uh, or the second trilogy that I know he's been in, where uh-huh. he gets his head cut off to a degree. You know, so I'm just yeah. just saying he's the only man who has ever been, or one of the only two men who have ever been killed by both an alien predator and a Terminator. So there, there we go. You know, and now by Ghostface. What a resume! What a resume! I'm just saying, and by a <laughs> giant wasp in the movie Stung. <laughs> Oh yes, the the classic movie stun that you know everyone has heard about, and and by himself in the classic movie <laughs> Pumpkinhead. <laughs> what are the movies you know he's in? And by something in the movie Harbinger Down, whatever the killer killer, killer thing was in Harbinger Down. All right, what are the other movies was he in? What, what else was he in? Uh, was he in, was he in RoboCop? Was he the villain in RoboCop? Uh, I think he was actually. Yeah, and by RoboCop, uh, boom. Uh-huh. All right, all right. Robo-Cop. What else? What yeah, else we got? A lot. What else has he done? Come on, come on. Uh, <laughs> I think that, that's all I, re- I remember. I, wait, what was the movie? Oh, fuck no. I was just thinking of Pinhead or Pumpkinhead when he was really young. <laughs> uh, he was in Piranha. All right, there we go. Piranha. I'm just going through his stuff right now. Piranha. I'm assuming he died in Piranha. I don't know if he died in that one. He had, yeah, he had to have died in Piranha. Uh, he was in Damien the Omen 2. Definitely died in that I'm movie. I'm assuming he died in that one too. Uh, gosh, this is this is the uh, Sean Bean of uh, this guy. Yeah, he, he dies in a lot of movies. It's all right. Uh, but <laughs> Tarzan 2. You know, Hellraiser. Wow. He was in Hellraiser? Which one? Uh, he was in Hellraiser Hell World, the online one. Oh, he was. He was the ho- yeah, he was the host. So. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. So Probably he didn't die. So he won. Actually, no, yeah. no. I think at, I think at the end he got taken by Pinhead. I think there was like a, you know, it was all a dream while you guys were suffocated underneath the yeah. dirt. But then Pinhead kills him. Oh again. shit! I didn't know he was in Jennifer's body. You didn't know he's in Jennifer's body? God. Yeah, he was. He does a cameo in that one. <laughs> I totally he, missed that one. Who was he in Jennifer's body? Huh. Uh, he was. The, he is listed as passing motorist. Ah, that passing and motorist. Cameo row. Look, look. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. cool. He was in that movie. Anyway, back to Scream. <laughs> um, yeah, what else about this movie like really stood out to you? I, again, I really like Sydney's uh, character transformation at the very end of where she becomes the killer. Um, there were. I, I really like the scene where she goes into the set of her own home. Oh my god, that's great! And kind of uses that against the humor of the the killer. That that was absolutely fantastic. Love that bit. Uh, the Carrie Fisher cameo was great too. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't remember her name, <laughs> but you know, I, I, love, I love they put her in it and then made you know everyone's gonna recognize her, so they made her an actress who couldn't get the role that Carrie Fisher got. <laughs> She's like, I look the same, but she got the part and I didn't. <laughs> She's like, mm-hmm. that was smart. Uh, but but I, I do love I love like that when she goes like what you mentioned when she's in her home in Woodsboro. But I love that like she like they designed the set so perfectly that she could still do the trick with the door. Like mm-hmm. open the closet door to stop it, and like she used that to see that he's there because it still like, pushes the door open. And I was just like, ah, oh, it's so, so smart. I got yeah. Th- those are the elements, and like I liked it too because like it was so she got so used to her house when she was there that she like you know almost fell out of this like you know the thought of that opening because like she wasn't the fact that it was a set, and there are all the different elements. Like I think they go from like Stu's house to her house, uh, even to the house that um, what's her name died in. Uh, Drew Carey, no, Drew Carey, Drew Barrymore died at the beginning. I think that's uh-huh. like, we see the facade of, the facade of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Carey probably also died in this as well. But like, I think... Like, Who's lines it anyway, yeah. I, it was just so, I, I love that. I really like the way that they kind of set that all up. Um, uh-huh. But let's talk about kills. What, what, are you, what are your favorite kills? I know we mentioned the, I mentioned the girl at the beginning uh, who dies by, like, you know, with the ghost face. Uh, any other mm-hmm. ones stand out to you? 
the one where the guy blows up in the house, that definitely stands up to me, too, because, like, why couldn't he have just taken the script outside? Also, yeah, I guess say, you, like, like, the fact that he's, like, <laughs> the person who lives is the first one to smell the, uh, smell the gas lead. I'm like, did you know he's gonna, like, I get, I get that he gets put a lighter next door, but the guy went to another room to get the lighter. So, like, was, uh-huh. was, was something else gonna happen? Was gonna fight club the pilot light and the fridge is gonna turn on? Or, like, what was his <laughs> plan for that explosion had the guy not decided to go use, because... I don't want to be that guy, but I would never use a lighter to look at something in the dark. That's like, oh yeah, hundred percent. I'd be like, nah, like that. That's I, that's that's like I I used to I used to have a whoop. Those things like track your fitness, and there's a little battery light on it, and I have used that at night. To, like, I tap it, and the light turns on, like just to show yeah, the battery I mean, level. Like, like that's what you use. Weren't, weren't there like you know like floodlights or something outside too by the pool? If I remember correctly, I don't, I don't know, but it, it just felt like I me mean, like okay, I'll just move you know a few seconds or a few. Um, I'll move a few feet over, and okay, I'm outside. We can all read it together. Sweet. Okay, cool. Awesome. Or, or like, leave and come back. Like, the printing's still going to be there unless he, like, comes out and does yeah. something. <laughs> like, uh-huh. and, and, like, I feel like when it's, like, I don't know, it's coming out one thing at a time like that. Like, like oh, the killer's sending us the story. So why wouldn't the killer uh-huh. lie? You guys, like, they already determined that he lied when he said, like, um, <laughs> when he said, I'm outside. Because, like, no, 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 he wants to stay inside, so let's go outside. Like, they, they determined that. So why would they believe anything else he says? Like, you made one really smart decision, and then you didn't do the rest. Um, <laughs> though I will say, I, for some reason, I always thought one of the um, I always thought like Sydney's actress died during that time or something. Like I thought I thought one of the girls died, but I, I guess that's because that character who died was completely forgettable, and I forgot he existed. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, what do you think about the Randy cameo? I, I again, probably my best, probably the best Randy that there was because he was not annoying and didn't have enough time to be annoying. And uh, <laughs> he just said his thing and left. Like, you know, you get, the, you get the little heart feels when he's like, you know, I didn't survive, so good luck, guys. Like, that that was nice. Um, yeah, I thought it was a nice little heartfelt way to put a little cameo in there. And like you said, you know, he stayed his little welcome, and you feel bad for him, and he's gone. I felt like he didn't overstay his welcome. What did you think about uh, the, the sister cameo? Uh, you know, do you recognize the sister? I don't actually. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I don't follow on that point. What was that? She is the best friend of um, the Princess Diaries main character in the movie Princess Diaries. I, I never saw the Princess Diaries. What the Diaries, fuck? So. What the fuck? I know. How, I know. How dare I know. you? I'm sorry. How I'm dare sorry. you? We will have to talk about Princess Diaries for our next podcast. We will have to. It, it was. It was. It was. <laughs> it was a great classic film, and she was the best friend because nobody else has that weird nose. Uh, I immediately <laughs> saw her, and I was like, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> you are you have that weird nose <laughs> princess diaries yeah fuck it uh, um and also uh we had a uh, what's the name patrick warbutton was that the guy's name uh, yeah 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 patrick warburton yeah dude his hit cronk for the his voice uh is so oh my god going back to D D, uh one of my friends i used to play with he did a spot on patrick warburton impression oh my god he was it was so good, and then I, we, every time I brought a new friend over to the table, I was just like, "Jay, do your Patrick impression," and it's just like, "Dude, you say this every single time." I know, and it's amazing. Do it; <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, uh, I, so and good. I, I thought his death was great. Like, I, I, yes. I, they, they showed how what of an what an asshole he was, but also like, I love, like, I like that he like makes the he makes the joke about like, oh, you know, I'm just checking around to see if there's any killers. You know, don't want you to die like your sister. And like, Ghostface <laughs> is talking to him as Dewey because Dewey's like, "Where the fuck are you?" And he's like, why, why the fuck would you say that? <laughs> like, I like that because, like, I just imagine Roman being like, what a piece of shit. <laughs> like, making, because, like, I didn't, because we didn't talk about, like, Dewey's sister dying at all in the second one. So this guy, then this guy makes a joke about it. And it's like, holy fuck. And then, like, he comes out and kills him. You're like, thank God. Uh, yeah. But I do like that he lived for quite a while. Because <laughs> uh-huh. um, it kind of shows, you know, stab wounds, like, aren't, you know, immediately fatal usually. So, like, the fact that he walked around felt like, a little bit realistic. Um but uh no i like that but it's also kind of weird that like do you think that roman was hiding in the trailer to kill dewey because he was in the bedroom right so like it wasn't like he was uh i don't know yeah i figured he was going for dewey at that point but again these movies you know there's so much left open to interpretation there's so much leeway because they want you to think anyone could be the killer so Hmm. and and speaking of which uh you know talking about our characters we talked about uh Talked about Sydney. What do you think about Dewey in this film? Uh, yeah, I, I do think he was a little less... Like, as time goes on, I'm actually a little bit surprised. In the first one, he was kind of the dopey cop. And I expected him to be more and more flanderized as the movies went on. But honestly, I don't 
think there's too much flanderization of him. He's fairly competent in this movie for the most part. Um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised to kind of see that. What about you? Yeah, no, I thought the same thing. I, I, like, I, this was the one where I actually noticed how kind of competent he was. When he shot, he shot people. Like, he shot Ghostface, like, the first time when he shot him by the car. He shot him, like, three times in the chest. And, like, he... He, he, like, you know, he's a good, like, he's, his aim is good. He is, he, like, every shot he fires almost hits somebody, which is insane. And uh, I just recently watched Matrix 4 and could not be said for computers, apparently, cannot fucking aim, <laughs> which baffles. I, I have to go watch the original trilogy, but the amount of times you see people shoot people in that movie and be like, you guys are computer programs. If anybody should be able to shoot somebody, it should be you. <laughs> and they're, they're fucking, they're fucking terrible yeah. at it. But like, but he, he, he's competent. And like, I actually really liked it um, when Gail first meets him because you kind of get the impression that this is a Dewey who's moved on from her and has matured um, in the sense that like, he, when he brushes her off, like, he is very... I think it's the most we see him confident, not just like in his aiming and stuff, but like as a person, because the way yeah. he carries himself, the way he's like, yo, like, Gail, shut the fuck up. Like, I'm actually trying to do work now. Like, he's very like, he's not buying into her. He's not like, I think in the first two movies, he was like, the first one, he was lovesick for her. The second one, he was like hurt by her. And this one, he's kind of just like, no, you, you, you know, you fuck it. Like, because the, the backstory of this is that like after the second movie, she moved to Woodsboro with him and then was just like, your small town's too small town for me and left essentially. And just like, and left mm-hmm. him. And he was hurt and he was like, fuck this. Um, so when he went to this, this set of stab four as a consultant, like he feels like he has a purpose. He has an extra kind of guard duty thing on the side that he can do. Like you can tell he's a guy who feels like he's in the, you know, he feels valued by, um, Jolie as a, as a, you know, as somebody to consult in the script, he feels valued by them as somebody who can, uh, you know, help out with the ghost face situation. Like I feel like we really see Dewey at his most confident that we, I don't, I can't remember what he's like in this fourth movie really. Um, but in the series, it seems like he's developed, uh, which I like. Um, and Gail, I feel like really hasn't, uh, again, I think she develops, I think in this movie she develops kind of, but she kind of starts yeah, off as, as felt, the same character. Yeah. I felt, you know, by the end of this movie, she's really let that hard ass reporter who will, you know, put herself in danger, do anything to get the story, um, a little bit behind. She's a little bit more subdued. She doesn't need to prove herself, um, yeah, and I, I felt by the end of the movie that was kind of the place she was at. Yeah, like, I, I will say that I, I think that, like, yeah, at the beginning I think she's in the same place, but yeah, by the end she does develop. I do like there's that scene with her in the beginning um, where she talk, where she's uh, talking about being a reporter, um, and she's giving a talk about how, like, basically what she says is, like, it's okay to treat others like shit. Uh, you get your story. You know, it's this big thing, like, you know, fuck everyone else. It's all about you, you know, get out there, the drive, which I feel like is something that is kind of, like, in the reporting kind of world, like, you know, not to say I have any knowledge of this, but it seems like that tends to be kind of a thing. Not necessarily fuck people over, but like, you know, like get in the actor's way to get a picture of world. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like the, your, your job is based on what you can get essentially to a degree. And like, that's, you know, it's kind of the nature of the job, but I like it that some guy basically like it, it, the scene ends with some guy being like, is it, is it worth it? Like, was it worth it to be an asshole? And she's like, uh, and that's kind of alluding to the Dewey situation. Um, so I guess, yeah, at the end that she kind of develops, uh, a little bit of a better personality. But again, I feel like it's kind of, her development is kind of sidelined. Um, I think that she does learn to accept, um, what's her name? Jolie a little bit. Cause there are times when her and Jolie are going around together and Jolie seems more competent than her and more in the know, which is interesting. Cause like when, when they go around and they try to, like, you know, they try to bribe people, they try to find things. Jolie's the one who kind of gets on it and is like, Oh, like they not to, I think I'm afraid she's the one who helped with the stage name and stuff. And like, is the one who helps bribe, uh, or just Leia and stuff like there seems to be this thing that at one point like Jolie's being a better Gail Weathers than Gail Weathers is um, and I don't know what that's what that's saying if that's saying that she's changed for the worse or for the better um, because by the end you know we get her and Dewey's uh, reconciliation I guess you'd say but I don't feel like there was a lot in the story to make that reconciliation happen like because mm-hmm. you know spoiler for the end of the movie but uh, Dewey proposes to her um, and it kind of for me kind of fell out of left field I'm like you just went with us like I guess trying- to be fair though I think that was mostly developed in the second movie like I did not see to see I, I did not need to see more courtship between the two in this movie because I felt that was already established well I just mean the movie started off with them being separated yeah so it's weird that he proposed toward the end of it like I don't know to me that seems kind of like an interesting choice for him I can't remember where they are in the fourth movie I don't like I, I feel like they're really I feel like 
like the in this it's not like a will they won't they it's for the for the most actually it is it's like scrubs every time jd gets together with a girl when you know they break up again immediately like him and elliot and like consistently <laughs> yep. um i feel like that was their relationship but i just can't remember where the fourth movie takes them um because i can't remember if at this point i can't remember when they got married um in real life because i know that they're broken up now yeah, um, I actually just looked at that before the movie. I believe it was 1999 they got together, and 2013 they broke up. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... If I remember correctly. Uh-huh. All right, so that was... Okay, so, so they were together during this film. Um, so maybe that's part of the why that was put in there. But that did always feel a little bit out of left field for me. Um, and are there any, no, there's, there's only our returning characters, aren't they? I guess. Yeah, there's a lot. All right. What do you think of the twist of the half-brother at the end? Uh, out of left field really i think i think it wasn't really hinted at that she had a brother um and i you know going into it i knew that was the twist and i was looking for signs of it and i didn't really see them um you know like so i i I guess basically the plot is or the this thing is that she went uh because her mom went to hollywood um tried was in a bunch of horror movies written by or i guess directed by lance hendrickson she came to some of the parties that they had and as Lance Henriksen said and said it, you know, did what she had to do, knew the game, and got pregnant as a result, abandoned her child, and then moved to um, Woodsboro, where she met her uh, Sydney's dad and had that new family. Um, I don't know. I didn't. It didn't feel super interesting to me. And I think what sours me a little bit on it is the fact that then they imply, they say outright that he is the one who got Billy and Stu to. Uh, kill the mom Mm -hmm. i thought that was kind of like dumb yeah that was a little far-fetched too i i I felt like this twist landed a lot better than screams twos did we're just like oh mommy's here to finish uh what you know the original killer started i i really didn't like the twist in two this one i felt was a little bit better like okay there's a half brother that kind of you know relates into the finale where more about the victim's past has or the the main character's past is revealed a little bit more and tries to tie it all together and then the fact that Maureen Prescott is such a central character to these films. I was like, yeah, brother, you know, that makes sense. But I agree with you that it was not signposted at all. It kind of did come out of left field. So I like the idea. I think the execution could have been better. Yeah, like, well, I feel like we knew something was going to happen. Like, I think they kind of shoved Maureen Prescott down her throat in this movie. Because in the second one, I feel like she's not really <laughs> there. And, like, uh-huh. I, I'd almost kind of see the opposite. I think that the mom in the second one made a lot more sense because it was the revenge story. It was, you killed my son, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, all right, that's, that tracks. I get it. Like, you know, she goes, she goes like, your dad or your mom fucked my husband, broke our family. I leave. I come back. My son's dead. My dad, I think, is dead, too. Like, you know, that's, that's kind of I, – I understand her rage. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess then my question with this one is what is, like, the story with Roman in the sense that, like, is – like they're like mom's dark secret is that she uh, gave into the Hollywood system, got consensually but terribly like raped essentially. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like it's rape in the end. What happened? Uh, oh yeah, um, no, definitely. Okay. She was pressured into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. She was pressured into it, um, and then uh, her bastard child is the villain. Like I, I just, I guess, like the the question of how that tracks is interesting. Like, like what what the the villain becoming a villain because his mom was raped and abandoned him because she couldn't take care of a child at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in retrospect, it's kind of like, oh, that's a little, like, dicey there. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. That 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 is a little bit weird. Um, but I I do like Roman's justification. Or not, I, no, sorry. I like the rebuffing of Roman's justification. Because if you think about, so at the end um, of, what is it? The end of the first one, right? It's, um, sorry, what's his name again? Billy being like, "Hey, you know, violent horror movies. Like, you know, horror movies give us inspiration. They, you know, you know, they kind of give us ideas for how to, for how for psychos to be psychos." Um, and the end of the second one is that um, is actually uh, Mickey embracing that. Mickey, yeah, movies made me this way. I, like, you know, I'm a product of society. Billy is a product of a broken home. He's a product of society, is what uh, Mickey says, and then. Uh, Roman is like I'm a product of the fucked up of the fucked up thing my mom did is what he's he's blaming the mom essentially he's not blaming mm-hmm. anybody else blaming the mom and I guess he's probably blaming the Hollywood system to a degree um, but I like that she 
um, Sydney rebuffs that. Sydney's like, no, fuck you. You chose to do this. This is not, don't blame your mom. <laughs> don't blame movies. Don't blame nothing. This is the choice you made. And I, I like that rebuffing because like, I think that also, again, takes agency of her character in the sense of this is the choice she's making. Like I think that's reflective of her and her reclusiveness in locking all the doors and all that stuff. It's her saying like, I'm not a victim of the, my circumstance. I am making choices actively. Um, so I like that. I like that. I think that develops her character well and also is a kind of a pushback against, um, you know, against, uh, if you want to say reaction to Columbine and the idea that, you know, again, was, Columbine was everybody blaming video games and movies, right? Like everyone, that, that was them blaming violent movies on that happening. So her being like, no, no, this is the choice these kids made to do this thing is, I think, interesting. Um, and I, I don't know, to me, a, a, you know, a, a good statement. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that definitely too. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, I think I like the fact that thematically it all tied back to Maureen Prescott's, um, was that, so, yeah. And then, and then what do you think about the final ending scene, other than Patrick Dempsey eating popcorn, which is dumb as fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, definitely, where the door opens up and then Sydney, what was your interpretation of that? I interpreted that as Sydney letting go of her kind of anxieties and fears and feeling safe for once. Hundred percent agree. Okay. Yep, I I thought that was very obvious in terms of just yeah, you know, this is she doesn't have to be afraid anymore. She has convinced herself that the killers are gone and she's not going to be attacked again. So, yep. Okay, perfect. Yeah, no, I, I and that and again, that's that's what I love. I think that going from, uh, you know, where she was at the beginning of this movie and what had happened to her from one and two, it feels like that acceptance. Which again, I, I don't think we'll ever see in uh, Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know for her it was a healed character which is nice like you know i think you know it, it was a character who healed and like you know is making good decisions which i don't know i guess uh later movies maybe <laughs> fly in the face of that <laughs> but i feel like you know kind of kind of like how in um you know in alien 3 uh ripley talks about how the alien is all she's known for her life to a degree because it's fucked her life up so much that her release is you know getting rid of it and like ending her poisoned life I like that this mm-hmm. one is the opposite. It's getting rid of it and like continuing to live. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's the like I guess an alien like Alien Three again. It's it's acceptance. It's accepting into coming to things, which I, I think is still a powerful choice in her in her perspective and what she does. Uh, but I think that this is like a different kind of take on that same idea of like a doomed fate and kind of overcoming it. I guess, um, which I don't know. again positive message. I can't remember where four goes, but it's almost making me. I don't. I didn't see. I was never a huge fan of four, and feeling that this this conclusion really makes me kind of not have not want to watch it. Cause I'm like, what are you gonna fuck up? Yeah, that's definitely one thing I'm kind of thinking of too. Because you know, four and now five coming out, they're set years after a planned trilogy has finished. Um, and this was a very conclusive ending. Like, it, it's very obvious they intended this to be the end of the series altogether, at least with uh, the whole Sydney Prescott form. So, I just, I really don't have high hopes for the other two I, I i'm going into them with very low expectations because I, I i've seen the song and dance before whenever a series gets to this point and they can try and continue for such a conclusion portion it just never ends up as good it, it, at the very best it's the exact same thing just a worse version of it at worst they try and tie it back very ham-fistedly and it's just not as good so it'll be interesting to see what we have to say on that front and actually dan yeah. what, what are your what are your thoughts on this movie? Actually, what are your like? So, what are your thoughts on the sequel? If, um, on like where I know we did this with uh, the other number, number three, when we were on number two. <laughs> uh-huh. What would you say if you had to predict where where four is going? And let's say you know, well, you know, we know it's about a decade out, right? It's a decade from this movie. Yeah, uh, no, I already know the general premise in terms of like now with social media technology is a lot more advanced, and they kind of focus on that in terms of the twenty tens um, and what what's popular then. So, and this is another thing too. I actually uh, did get spoiled who the killer is. How dare so you. it'll be interesting. Yeah, I know. So it'll be interesting actually going into this movie, kind of realizing, okay, this person is the killer. So, ah, see, that's. I feel like that that oh, that's that's not as fun. I know, I know, but uh, the other three movies, I had no idea. So it'll be interesting to get the actor's perspective, and then when five comes out, you know, obviously we'll have no idea. So I I already it. know the killers. I looked. I found found spoilers. I'll, you found spoilers. I'll, I found all all, Wait, you, all the theories, just like Spider Man No Way Home. All this, all the theories <laughs> everywhere. Uh, just like you know, I knew I knew everything that was going to happen. Everything that's going to happen. Yes. It's it's going to yes. See my my big wish, and I originally had heard not had heard, but like I'd I'd heard like people on the internet talking about like theories would be that it was going to be a new nightmare where like it was going to be Sydney. It was going to be like um, crap. What's Sydney Prescott's? What's her actor's name? 
Yeah, yeah. It was going to be them being stalked in real life by, you know, obsessed ghost face killer people, which mm-hmm. would have been great. Would have loved it. Yeah, that would have been great. I would have been here for it. Especially if there's calling it Scream again. Would have been amazing. Um, and then especially, like, again, because it would have re-metaed the meta, if, you know, for a story about meta, mm-hmm. it would have popped out beyond the uh, Stab franchise into, you know, the killers in Scream are referencing Scream for what happens in Scream, which would have been great. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I, I think we get a little bit of that in 4. I think we get a little bit more of meta discussion of the Stab franchise uh, as a franchise. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, too, like, already, I, I think this is a good ending to the series, but... I feel the meta aspect is getting a little bit too ham-fisted at this point. Like, I could easily, easily see the next per, uh, movie just kind of overstepping and going into, okay, this is just, this is getting too much at this point. Oh, yeah. It's a very, very fine line, and I'm kind of worried about the next one. So. Oh, actually, speaking of which, the rules. What are the rules for this one again? Uh, I, have, I wrote them down somewhere. Here we go. All right. Here, here are the rules. Here are the rules. All right? Uh, <clears throat> that, you know, that again... Uh, Princess Diaries girl gives to us on a VHS. Um, <laughs> and basically, he's like, hey, I didn't live, sorry, guys. And he gives us these rules. So first, this isn't really a rule, but he says that if you're experiencing an unexpected backstory and the past is coming back to haunt you, then uh, you're in a concluding ch- uh, chapter of a trilogy, which is the lie, Randy. You didn't think about the fourth one, you idiot. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> to be fair, I don't think Wes Craven did either at this time. I know. I feel like, I feel like the fourth movie in a series is always that movie that people... Are, like the fourth one is like the oh, we didn't really intend to make this movie is like yeah. that's what like like I did you notice that there's a trend of uh, fourth movies having the word resurrection in them and being terrible yeah Matrix <laughs> Resurrections uh-huh. Alien uh-huh. Resurrection Halloween Revelations is another one <laughs> well Revelations is a reboot I feel like a lot of the time yeah but like Alien uh, Alien Resurrection. We got Matrix uh, Resurrections. We got uh, Halloween Resurrection, which is the fourth movie because that in that context, it is Halloween 1, 2, H2O, and Resurrection. So mm-hmm. I'm just saying, they tend to bomb. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, not, not, not to hide my opinion of the terrible waste of my life that was Matrix 4. Um, but, they, <laughs> you know, they, they, they tend to not be great. So uh, I think that this... But I, I do think Scream 4 is better than this. I will say that. Um, all right, sounds good. Well, it'll be interesting to see kind of uh, what it is there. But uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, all right. Any final thoughts on Scream 3? Okay, if you had to... So, recontextualizing from last week, we reviewed a movie called VHS 94, which had a 92% Rotten Tomatoes score. <laughs> a certified fresh score, if you will. Uh, Dan, without looking, what is the, what would you say the, the, the score for Scream 3 is? Oh, I know it's low. I already looked it up when I was going through my research. I believe it was like 40, 50 percent. Yep. So the other movies were like at 70 ish. Yeah, 41 percent. How? Yes. Who the fuck so, uh, thinks that this movie <laughs> is worse than VHS 94? Oh, God, this is Zelda Twilight Princess all over again when GameStop gave it an 8.8. 8. <laughs> it's, this is, it's, wait, what the actual, like, who? I. I want to personally, I want to like find everybody. I mean, someday I'm going to make a study of going through everybody who rated VHS 94. Um, and, <laughs> and just, it'll be the scene. It'll be like the scenes in Jalen Silent Bob Strike Back where they go to everyone's house who personally insulted their movie on the internet and kick the shit out of them. Oh, so here's, here's the Chris consensus on this movie. Despite some surprising twists, Scream 3 sees the franchise falling back on the same old horror formulas and cliches it once hacked and slashed with postmodern abandon. I mean, I guess it's a horror movie? I don't know. I guess, yeah. No, I don't really agree with it. I think they did a good job staying and kind of leaning into the madness of it. But it definitely, there are points in the movie where I felt like, eh, you're walking a fine line here, Wes Craven. Yeah, but, but I feel like the, 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 the one thing I'll say about the Scream franchise, and I know we talked about before how we don't really place it with the other slasher movies, is that I don't feel like you can tune out a, a Scream movie and turn back to it and still be following the same way that mm-hmm. you can be with, like, a Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th Part 5 where you're just kind of like, no, oh, you look away and you're like, oh, I guess they're dead. Okay, let's keep going. Like, these movies have actual plot and storytelling to them. Uh, so, so like, I feel like to, to me that is just, like, the biggest win is that, like, I think, and I think that's what separates them is that these are well-plotted movies. Um, yes. Even if the plot doesn't always land. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, you could tell there's been a lot of care and craft that's been put into the plot. And this, so. and this is one that Kevin Williamson wasn't here for, I think. He didn't write this one. Uh, I think he, he wrote one and two and four. I think he skipped this one for some... I, think, I can't remember what the deal was. I mean, they didn't have time. Um, but this... this oh, wait. Or no, was he? 
the writer which one didn't i don't know one of them he didn't write i thought it was this one but uh looking on the credits it says he did i thought he didn't i thought that was the big thing about this one anyway whatever let's see kevin williamson look at that by the way the cats are fighting so all right good <laughs> good fight so dan dan what <laughs> fight, movie fight, are we fight, doing fight, next fight. time uh, we are going to finish it up with Scream 4, um, which, yeah, we're going to do that. Um, and I think we're going to try and do the Resident Evil one, and I think we should do a Spider-Man episode as well. I, I, I concur. I have to go see it again. Uh, you know, I have, to, I have to get my hype up again. Okay, no, no, you know what? We probably shouldn't do the Spider-Man because it's literally just going to be an hour of you gushing over the movie. No, actually, I, honestly... I'll say, like, you know what? I didn't like that aspect, and you're like, shut the fuck up, Dan. It was amazing. You know, actually, I don't think I have that much <laughs> to say about it because, you know, like, I feel like we talked yeah. about this before. A movie that you like, you don't want to talk about as much as movies you don't... Like, I think the, the reason I want to talk about uh, No Way or was Far From Home was because I didn't... I was so disappointed with it. But I think this one's like, oh, that was cool. Oh, yeah, that was pretty nice. Yeah. Oh, that was, that, that was good. good. It was good. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So, okay, I agree. Yeah, no Spider-Man episode, but maybe, maybe Resident Evil at some point. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, awesome. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much to our opening band. That is Teddy's Atlas with the song um, Horror Movie Story. You can get them off the album Children of the Corn. Good, good Canadian boys. And that's that. Anything to say, Andrew? Nah. Sweet. <laughs> well, I hope you all have a wonderful 2022. Uh, enjoy the new year and stay groovy. Bye.